0: And Thank you, Lori, for the introduction and prayer. I just want you to know that it makes me really happy to look out and see all of your faces, the people I know, and even the ones I don't know. And I feel over the last few weeks that God has been just really giving me some important words for my heart and also, I hope, for your heart. So I'm just going to jump right into that. So this week we're talking about the box here that represents more than any other box a thing that is very heavy for all of us, the thing that we carry around a lot and that we need to unpack, resentment. This box needs to be unpacked so that we can get back to the essential of forgiveness. So even if you did not grow up in a church community, I'm sure that the word forgiveness, like you kind of understand or you have some semblance of idea of what forgiveness is, right? Because it's talked about in movies and TV shows, casual conversations, people just throw that word out, serious conversations. You hear it in the grocery store, mothers to their kids, forgive your brother for hitting you. you know. I'm pretty sure that when I said forgiveness... The first time, you likely had some kind of reaction inside of you. Have you heard the quote, to err is human, to forgive is divine, by Alexander Pope, even if you didn't know it was by that guy? If you think about that phrase, you will realize that, you know, forgiveness is something, true forgiveness, that requires something outside of our own strength. Something divine, as the quote says. Our rational minds tell us, yeah, we need to deal with forgiveness. We need to understand that and do it. But our feelings are like, "Uh uh-uh, no way. No. Uncomfortable. No thank you. No. So, why should we bother? This box that says resentment on it, Is really heavy. Okay. Super heavy. What is resentment? It is anger, bitterness, usually over an injustice or some kind of offense that's been done to us. So have you ever been with a friend who reviews things that people have done to them? Like over and over and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, right, yeah. Maybe you're that friend. It's kind of like something that you can feel, you know, when they're talking about it. You can see it on their face. You can hear the pain, the frustration. And they, and perhaps you, feel really stuck with that resentment. Like, what to do with that resentment? It must be released. You've probably also heard that other kind of famous quote about forgiveness that says, Forgiveness set the prisoner free only to realize the prisoner was me. Yes, resentment over not allowing forgiveness. It makes a very ugly place inside of us. The other main reason that we need to look at forgiveness is simply because, you know, God says we have to. (laughs) In our scripture reading this morning, we heard these two verses from the New Testament book of Ephesians, written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. And Paul tells the people get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander or lies. Instead, be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Jesus Christ, has forgiven you. God Himself offered forgiveness in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned for the first time, and God had a choice, and he chose to forgive them. And he forgives our sins through our faith in Jesus Christ. So I have a really clear memory from my childhood about that verse of scripture. My mother repeated it to me and my sisters just about every time we argued. And if you're a parent, You can imagine that I heard that verse a lot, a lot. (laughs) So I am thinking that probably you have some memories inside about forgiveness or some thoughts. So if there's any words that you're brave enough to throw out, go ahead. Hard. Hard, thank you. Anything else? Denial, thank you. (laughs) Don't want to. Just flat, don't want to. Good. Pride, Pride. thank you. Sorry? Bondage, Bondage. good one. Doubt, Doubt. yeah. Open doorway. doorway. How about unfair? It's not fair. Why should I forgive? Yeah, it's not fair, because that person did the thing. So why should I have to do any work? Right? Why bother? You know, the song Let It Go. I just should let it go. Whatever, just let it go. It doesn't matter. (laughs) These person these people rather, or this person, is out of my life. They don't live here anymore or they've passed away. So, you know, done. Over. Bye. Or how about another real famous one? I don't do conflict. When you were thinking about forgiveness, you know, kind of personally in that moment, is there a chance that a name came to your mind? Maybe more than one name. So resentment is something that we learn about in our lives in layers. So let's pretend this little tiny wooden doll is you and your friend grabs your ball. And his mom made him say sorry. And he said, sorry. And you're like, he's not sorry. He's not sorry. Something's wrong here. But, you know, what are you going to do? So you just feel resentful because he wasn't sorry. And then you go to school. You know, that great place where you get teased by people. And the teacher says, say sorry. And you're like... They're not sorry. They're not sorry. And you hurt. And you feel resentful and angry. All right, so maybe you go to college, and your college roommate looks at your computer and prints out or downloads or whatever and turns in your essay in their name and steals it. But, you know, you want to be cool. And you want your roommate to be cool with you so you don't say anything. Or you say, no, it's cool. It's fine. No problem. I'll just rewrite it. But there's something that's not okay. Now you're an adult. And your best friend runs off with your wife or your husband. And you have kids. And you have a job. And you've got to go to the grocery store and get some milk. And you have to suck it up it's not okay. And everything inside of you is telling you it's not okay. So your ideas or thoughts about letting go or forgiving just don't cover it anymore. There are many ways that we can be wounded in our lives and many kinds of people who can wound us on our journey. One of my favorite authors Dr. Dan Allender, in his book, Bold Love, he says that the book of Proverbs in the Bible defines four kinds of people that we can run into in this world. But in my job as a counselor, I am faced with having to define patterns of how people behave all the time. But I usually do it you know, in reference to helping people to heal or their families to heal, But what Dr. Allender says in his book is that if we look in the book of Proverbs in the Bible, known as the book of wisdom, written by the wise King Solomon, is that people are best defined by what they do with who God is. So specifically with God's truth and his beauty and his justice. So what do people do with those parts of who God is? And that's going to give you an idea of the type of person that they are. The first category that Dr. Allender describes is the evil person. An evil person is extremely heartless and cruel, vicious, and destructive. They have an absence of empathy, shame, and goodness with no respect for boundaries. They can appear very normal. And I'm not talking about, you know, the guy who cuts you off in traffic. That's not an evil person specifically. These are people who show a pattern consistently of harm where there's no sorrow and no openness to feedback. The second category is that of the fool. The fool is also very resistant to change. They're committed to their own pleasure above caring for other people. They are marked and typically angry people, just like, you know, consistently. Arrogant. A fool seems to live just for the moment. And a fool hates discipline and wisdom. The third category is that of the normal sinner, or as it says in the book of Proverbs, the simpleton. A normal sinner seems unable to see how they are actually hurting somebody else. They define it as simply poor judgment, or you hear them say a lot, eh, it's just how I am. you know, It's just me. The normal sinner is like a fence sitter. They're tending towards being a fool sometimes, and sometimes accepting wisdom and growing. The last category is the one that we all hope to be in and stay in, and that is the wise person. The wise person is open to instruction and uses it to increase their wisdom. The wise person is routinely loving and respectful of others. The wise person is also routinely humble and able to admit their faults and shortcomings. So they receive wisdom from other wise people and make adjustments. Today, as I talk about how to forgive, I mean for us to be focusing on forgiveness between wise people and normal sinners. Truly committed fools and evil people are very difficult and exhausting to relate to or even imagine forgiving. It's possible, but it's very tough. So these two categories require us to find a mentor, a pastor, or even a professional counselor, to meet with and discuss how to do that. I just wanted you to know that there are categories of people that are way more difficult than I can address this morning. And it's critical that you understand that. My very favorite story in the Bible about forgiveness is the story of the life of Joseph. This story beautifully captures the important things that I believe God wants us to know about forgiveness. It takes place in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And beginning in chapter 37, God is telling us the story of a man named Jacob and his 12 sons. And at the start of this story, there's 12, and Jacob is the youngest of those 12. Jacob loved Joseph the best, as we heard in the scripture this morning. He gave him a special coat, honoring him above his 11 older brothers, which in that time was just not, not done. It didn't happen. The resentment in Joseph's brothers started to grow. Jacob even sent Joseph out to spy on his brothers when they were at work and report back to him what they were doing. Oh my gosh, tattling. That develops resentment, doesn't it? especially like 11 of them. Yikes. Joseph told his brothers that he'd had a dream and he was in authority over them in the dream. And he kept talking about it over and over. Okay, more resentment. One day, Joseph walked towards his brothers and he didn't realize that they were planning to kill him. Their resentment, the layers of it, had grown into hatred and rage. Now, one of the brothers did step in, and he stopped them from killing Joseph, but they decided to go ahead and sell him as a slave to some traders that were passing through the land that day. I mean, the resentment had grown so huge that now they justified selling their own brother. Joseph remained in slavery for years. And in Genesis chapter 39, two we read this. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. But even though the Lord was with him, he was a human being, and I'm sure that he still struggled with this resentment. His freedom was gone. He was totally disconnected from his brothers and his dad and his whole family. The Egyptian that Joseph was sold to had a wife who accused Joseph of something he didn't do. And Joseph, on top of this now, was thrown into prison. So further injustice, further betrayal. This injustice was actually years. It's not like he was in prison like overnight. He was there for years for something he didn't do. Joseph was now everything but the favorite child. In prison, because of God's wisdom in him, Joseph is able to interpret the dreams of two guys that are employees of the king. And what he said came true. So one of them said, hey, I'm going to help you get out of here. But, you know, he forgot. So he stayed in there longer. More injustice, more betrayal. One day, the king of Egypt himself had a disturbing dream, and the guy who Joseph helped said, oh, hey, I remember that guy Joseph, and he told the king about him. So Joseph was taken out of prison, interpreted the dream correctly, and the king had him work next to him, helping Egypt deal with the coming of a very severe famine. Okay, so now Joseph is in a palace, And I'm sure he was wearing pretty decent clothes and he was getting good food and, you know, had a nice bed to sleep in. So you think, okay, great. Everything's fixed for Joseph. But you know what? You can have all those good things on the outside, but you still have this brokenness, this unforgiven place, this resentment. Many years later, during the famine, Joseph's brothers end up standing in front of him asking for food. And Joseph now is at a crossroads because he can choose to lean into this resentment or he can choose to forgive. And if you know the story, you know that Joseph chooses to forgive. But how? How? Like, what did he do in his head to let all this go? A lot. I believe that there are three basic parts to forgiveness. So this is just a way to help you kind of conceptualize the how. So one counselor I know uses the words, sorry, letters, F-I-T, to represent the parts of forgiveness. Fit. It's good, huh? The decision to forgive, F, is an event where I make the conscious choice to acknowledge what I have gone through, and to forgive for the facts of what happened in the situation. So I would suggest that you get a piece of paper or some note cards or a journal and write a date, the date that you do it, and write out the facts of what was done to you. And you say, I am choosing to forgive this. And of course, preferably that you would pray and say, God, I am choosing to forgive this today on this day. The second step is dealing with the impact, I, of what was done. After you've made this decision to forgive, often something happens, like in your everyday life, and you're reminded of the thing that was done, the event, and you may feel anxious remembering it. You may even feel angry again at the person who did it, and you wonder to yourself, oh my gosh, have I even forgiven this person because should I still be feeling all this stuff, right? Right? So what I would suggest is that you go back to the paper. You remind yourself of that date that you chose, I chose, on this day. It's like reminding your feelings that your head did this thing. And that's just part of it. I would also suggest that you, you know, find some wise people, find some mentors, find some pastor or counselor that you need to talk through the impact. Because the impact, again, is the, the opening up of the layers of what was done to you. That can take some time. The final one is the track, the track I took to deal with the impact. Often we don't move directly to prayer and help from wise friends, but instead we turn to something else because of the impact. And those are things like addiction, negative thinking, denial. We all need to honestly look at the track that we are tempted to take when people offend against us or hurt us, or that we actually did take. And this part also requires prayer and help from God, from wise people, and again, even a professional counselor. In the story of Joseph, if you read through all of it, it's pretty long, but it's pretty worth it. Joseph has to honestly look at what his brothers did to him before he chooses to forgive them. And he has to look at the impact that it's had on his entire family. And he also, I'm sure, has to think about the track that he took because of it. And we can see in his story that he chose to open his heart to God's wisdom as part of the track that he chose. But he, again, was a human being. And so I'm sure that there were times and places in that process for Joseph that were hard because there was a lot, a lot, a lot. So the verse of scripture that was read to us this morning in Genesis 50, 20, Joseph sums up the wisdom that he learned from this process that he took of forgiveness. And he says, you intended to harm me but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Now that's pretty amazing if you think about all those betrayals, all of those injustices, and this man can say that to the people who put him in that place. So this is not just a biblical story for me. It's a personal one. If you told me in the summer of 2008 that I'd be speaking to a community of people that I am journeying with in faith about the, the process or the thoughts about forgiveness, I would have laughed at you. Yeah. It was a bad time for me. Now, I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor. So, you know, I know. I've heard the story, the love, the forgiveness. I've been wounded. I've chosen to forgive. But... That summer of 2008, my ideas about forgiveness changed radically. I had been in the church I was in for over 15 years. I thought I was going to stay. I was comfortable. But disagreements, painful misunderstandings, as well as denial and fear really gripped many of the people in leadership that summer. One of the hardest things that happened was between me and my really good friend Karen. So, Kieran and Karen. And Karen has given me permission to share this just so you know. Karen and I started to not trust each other that summer, and our feelings shifted into believing the fears in our heads way more than the truths that God had for us. I remember so clearly the twilight of the very hot summer night, like you know, when you sit in a car that's not running in Tallahassee in the summer. Very hot. And we were behind that church in her car. We were both very suspicious, angry, resentful. She yelled at me and accused me, and I yelled at her, and I accused her. And I got out of that car that night, and I didn't talk to her for a year. This very good friend of mine, a whole year. One day I was driving... And I thought very clearly about that broken relationship. You know, stuff like that just like pops up and you're like, ooh. And I was driving and I had this like, oh, my friend Karen. And of course, I was right by her road. I turned down the road and I texted her from her driveway and I said, hey, I really miss you. Can I come see you? And she said, yes. So since that day we have reviewed the events and chosen to forgive each other for those events. We still discuss the impact, even though it's 11 years later, of all the things that hurt still over that year and even onward. But I know this for certain, you guys, because we chose to do that and enter into that process of unpacking that resentment with each other and with God, that we are more free in our relationship with God. We are more free with each other. And I am way more free to relate and love in this community. Let's pray.